Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the debut episode of the Hitman Chronicles Weekly Boxing Podcast. No, let me correct myself. You will now get two weekly boxing podcasts on this platform, the Hitman Chronicles. We're rebranding both on this platform and from the last boxing podcast I did. For those of you who are my loyal listeners that found me because I made the announcement on Twitter, I make, I'll make the announcement on Twitter as I publish this episode. I'm no longer with Fight Game Media. And the reason being is the distributors of the Fight Game Media free podcast, Blue Wire, decided to drop the free podcast, decided to drop the entire network. And so uh, the CEO of Fight Game Media Network wanted to put everything behind the paywall. And I don't blame him. He's got to find a way to make money because he's losing revenue that he was getting from um, Blue Wire with the sponsorship. I cannot allow myself to go behind a paywall when I have so many loyal listeners that have listened to me from World Championship Boxing, Fight Game Media, Pound for Pound uh, Boxing, and of course, Championship Rounds podcast that I've done throughout the now August of 2011 to August of 2023, 12 years of podcasting. Boxing on a weekly basis. So, basically, this is this show is a continuation of the Pound for Pound podcast under the new name. <coughs> excuse that, the Hitman Chronicle, the Hitman Chronicles. Apropos, because I named the Hitman Chronicles over two of my all-time favorite combat sports legends, Thomas Hearns, my favorite boxer of all time. Bret Hart, my favorite wrestler of all time. This is the third, how do you say, this is the third launching of this podcast. Originally, Hitman Chronicles. It's funny. This is the third weekly podcast I'm doing. It used to be World Championship Boxing. Then my uh, podcast partner, Logan, retired last August, 2022. Pound for Pound Fight Game media podcast that I originally started doing with um, my former co-host Carlos, Carlos Toro. We started in December of 2020. Carlos left early last year and so I was doing the podcast solo for about 18 months before Blue Wire decided to pull the plug on Fight Game Media. I want to thank Garrett Gonzalez the CEO of Fight Game Media, and I hope all the best for him. He gave me an opportunity a decade ago to write, in 2013, to write for the website. And I wrote hundreds of articles that are still on FightGameMediaNetwork.com, articles that I will still use for my historical overviews, for my series on the greatest knockouts in boxing history. And he gave me the option of going behind the payroll, or taking my content and go to another platform. I said, no problem, Garrett. I wanted to continue the Patreon, but he wanted all in. And I don't blame him. And that's my buddy. Great dude. Happy anniversary, Garrett. Continued success to Garrett, Mike Gilbert, Justin Nipper, 
uh, Paul Fontaine, the whole crew, J.D. Oliva, the whole crew at uh, Fight Game Media. You can check out their YouTube page. They've got plenty of contact, content on the YouTube. And for those who subscribe to my Muhammad Ali Life and Times podcast, the entire series will now be on this feed on a weekly basis. I will start doing the 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 Life and Times of Muhammad Ali, the six episodes that are that were on the Patreon feed. I will begin putting that on this free feed as Garrett said, go ahead, take it. So I uh I took nine episodes of the Patreon episodes I did. You'll get my three greatest upsets of all time starting this next week because this week the historical episode we will have that's coming out later this week will be on the hbo documentary two-part documentary golden boy as i do a review of the of the documentary a historical overview of oscar's career and of course a play-by-play watch along as i recreate the play-by-play as i've been doing like i did on my final Pound for Pound podcast, the Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford preview, where I did a watch along and play 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 by play of their two greatest performances. Well, Friday I will do a play by play on one of Oscar's greatest performances. Um, once again, thank you to uh, Gary Gonzalez for giving me the opportunity a decade ago to start writing, and then when he wanted to launch this great. And it's a great, it's a great network. It's a great network. It's a damn shame you guys can't hear it for free anymore, because it focused and it gave great, great podcasters a chance to talk about combat sports passionately. They covered AE. They still, well, it's behind the Patreon wall, but and the old episodes are still up for you guys that haven't listened to the whole uh, fight game media series of of podcasts they do great they did a great job they do a great job of covering aew wwe ufc mm all of mma bellator impact etc and of course i was the lone boxing show on there and it was a privilege to work for them guys um much success to my brother garrett and uh, i forgot to mention man my uh, my second favorite member on the on that team the always happy-go-lucky, The Rock, John LaRocca. All right. Now that that's out the way, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the inaugural episode of the Hitman Chronicles, the boxing part. Now, as far as the Hitman Chronicles goes, it was, this is the third rebrand uh, rebranding of this podcast. Originally, it was a look at Bret Hart's greatest episodes. I did that with my buddy, Sebastian, from Toronto. And then I rebranded it to the true Hollywood stories that I've done on Twitter where I take an actor and I combine three or four of his roles and make it as one long continuum. Those episodes are still on this feed if you guys haven't listened to them or you want to re-listen to them for those who have listened. Now, Hitman Chronicles is a weekly pod of two episodes per week. One that reviews and recaps the past week's fights and gives you a preview of the upcoming fights. It's basically 
the Pound for Pound podcast continuing with the same format under a different name on a new platform. And then the second uh, weekly podcast will be a historical one. And I will start that this week, later on this week, with the life and times of Oscar De La Hoya. I'm going to try and get these podcasts out as soon as possible. Now that I am in total control of the podcast, it won't be Wednesdays anymore. It will come out much early. Today you're getting it on Tuesday because Monday we got the word from Blue Wire that they were shutting us down for August. So August 1st, we start with the first new, brand new continuation of the old. Out with the old and with the new. So I'm hoping on Mondays for the current boxing product podcast that I'm doing and Fridays for the historical podcast here on the Hitman Chronicles. Um I changed the I changed the uh I changed what you call it. I changed the uh photo for the uh podcast you and you'll see why because it's apropos to what's going on in today's boxing. Last week, I made a prediction. I made two predictions. I predicted Inouye would beat Stephen Fulton by decision. He obliterated him in eight. I predicted Errol Spence would beat Bud Crawford by, by decision. I was totally wrong. The third time I've been wrong this year, hey, it happens. Look, do not bet. Do not go on what I say. Even though I've been the last, since I started doing since I started doing um, the Pound for Pound podcast, I've been right probably 90 to 95% of the time. But, ladies and gentlemen, don't go by that. Never bet on whatever I say. Please, don't do it. And I got a couple listeners out there that want big money on Dimitri Bavol when I predicted that Bavol beat, would beat Canelo. Hey, kudos to you. We all have free will, but please, please. Do not rely on my predictions to bet. And speaking of betting, there must have been a whole lot of dudes on Twitter betting because I have never seen so many fans of a particular fighter cry, make excuses, uh, close their accounts, deactivate their accounts, block people. Because Errol Spence lost. Motherfucker, it's a fight. He lost to a better fighter. Terrence Bud Crawford proved me wrong Saturday night. What I saw Saturday night was boxing ex excellence at its best. Terrence Bud Crawford, but Terrence Bud Crawford along with Nayoa Monster Inouye, have taken the baton from Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Those are the two best fighters in the world. Period. End of story. They're on the Mount Rushmore by themselves. I had Errol Spencer the second best fighter in the world going into Saturday Night's Fight with Terrence Crawford being the third. Well, the third best fighter in the world is no longer the third best fighter in the world. You can make an argument he's number one. As he obliterated Errol Spence, it was a masterful performance. Totally, totally smacking my prediction. Blown it away. 
What I thought Errol Spence had the advantages in, Terrence Crawford negated those advantages and proved to everybody that he could do what Errol Spence could do better. It was the first time, ladies and gentlemen, I ever saw Errol Spence backing up and trying to box from the outside for a long time because he was getting obliterated. He was getting pummeled. Terrence Crawford fought immediately from the southpaw stance in the first round. And I'm watching the fight in the restaurant with my lady and my nephew, and I'm like, I told my lady, you know, usually Terrence comes out conventional, and she doesn't understand. I, I have to explain to her during the fight, because she's new to this. Because she's with me, she wants to follow the sport, so she's new to this. So I'm teaching her, as I've taught all the ladies I've ever dated. And I'm telling her how Terrence um, usually starts conventional, but now he's starting softball. And you know what? Terrence is a master chess player. He said, fuck it. I'm going to be softball just like Arrow right away. I thought that was a mistake. I was wrong. I thought it would be better if he was from the conventional because he could land that right cross, which is the Achilles heel, to a softball. More no. Instead, he was landing that left cross at will. First round was a feel-out round. I gave it to Arrow because, like I said in my prediction, Arrow was busier. Arrow threw more jabs. Arrow threw more punches. I mean, he missed a lot, but he was busier than, than Bud because, like I mentioned in my prediction, Bud always takes the first round to compute what his opponent's going to do, to feel him out, to see what he should do. Round two, uh, for the first two minutes, a lot of the same was going on, and then all of a sudden, with less than a minute left in round two, Bud landed a left cross right jab combination the other way around and Errol who was off balance was knocked down legit knocked down he got hit with that right jab flush ladies and gentlemen it reminded me of November 30th 1979 when Sugar Ray Leonard knocked down Wilfred Benitez in another battle of legendary undefeated fighters with a left jab and he completely dominated that fight until stopping Benitez in the 15th round. Things always find a way of coming full circle. After Spence got knocked down in the second, Crawford began to dominate from that point on. And it got worse and worse. And you saw both of Errol's eyes being damaged. Errol Spence took one of those beatings, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm going to predict right now. He will never be the same. Seventh round. Terrence dropped him twice. You could have stopped the fight right there. Errol's counter right hooks, I mean, Bud's counter right hooks were a thing of beauty in this fight. He was waiting and waiting, and he was countering. And then by round eight, he was having fun. He dropped Spence twice. Spence knew he was losing, was going all out, which he had to because he's not outboxing, bud. And bud dropped him twice. Eighth round, I think bud took a little, took his uh, foot off the pedal a little bit because he and he wanted to have some fun. Ninth round, he went in for the kill. 
and he batted a defenseless arrow until referee Harvey Doc had no choice but to stop the fight. Some clown on Twitter tweeted, uh, people are saying they stopped the fight too soon. Who? Who? If you think this fight was stopped, stopped too soon, you don't know shit about boxing. If you, the, the, the Errol Spence fans who for months were belittling Terrence Crawford, saying he wasn't on Errol Spence level, saying that he was easy, easy food for Errol Spence, you don't know shit about boxing. You have very popular Twitter folk, very popular Twitter accounts. May, they made fun of Bud over and over again. I picked Errol to win, but I did. I never discredited Bud's greatness. Anthony and Jason, who were guest pronosticators on last week's final, and now it is the final episode of the Pound for Pound, but last week's prediction show. Did not discredit Bud Crawford. They gave Bud Crawford all the... Even though all three of us picked Spence, we knew it wasn't going to be easy for Spence to win. <laughs> we didn't know it would be it would be impossible. It's never happening. Errol Spence fans out there, there were no loaded gloves. Stop with the fucking excuses. They put the picture on Terrence Crawford in the locker room wrapping his own hands with the commission and, and members of... Errol's team watching. You cannot load fights in the Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, period. There's too many eyes. Are you kidding me? What the fuck are you smoking? The gloves are signed by both camps. The commission inspects both, both gloves before they're put into your hands. How you, You're being watched from the minute your hands are wrapped your gloves are put on to the minute you get in the ring. What time do you have to put something in your gloves? You're being watched at every moment. Man, I don't even know why I'm defending this bullshit. It's bullshit. Stop crying. Oh, uh, Bud loaded his gloves. Oh, Errol had to lose a lot of weight. Errol Spence has been fighting at welterweight since his pro debut. What the fuck are you talking about? Errol was off Friday night. I mean, Saturday night. Now, Errol wasn't off. Bud Crawford made him look off because great fighters make other great fighters look ordinary when they are much better, period. Floyd Mayweather did that to Diego Corrales. Bernard Hopkins did that to Felix Tito Trinidad. I know I was there at the fight. I was there. September 29th, 2001. Massive Square Garden. Sold out. I was the only Puerto Rican in the whole building rooting for Bernard Hopkins because I knew that Tito had no shot against B-Hop. B-Hop was the better boxer. And that night, he proved he was the greater fighter, period, by obliterating Trinidad in a similar fashion as Bud did Spence. And now people... Say, oh, if they fight at 154, Spence will beat him. It's not happening. Errol Spence can never beat Bud Crawford, period. Bud gave Errol such a beating, it's never going to happen. In the history of boxing, it's only been a few times where a guy took such a beating, took such a thorough shellacking, and won the next fight. In my opinion, Errol Spence should retire. He's not going to retire. 
He's going to fight, and he's going to probably execute that rematch, rematch clause with Bud, and Bud is going to give him a severe beating, and Errol shouldn't fight Bud right away because you got to have time for those eyes that were damaged in the fight. Coming off his retinal injury from two years ago, coming off from the, ma the, the major car accident he had, which he almost died, that, in my opinion, resulted in him having a retinal tear. That the Texas State Commission didn't catch My opinion ladies and gentlemen I believe he fought Danny Garcia With a damaged eye Errol Spence has had a remarkable career All time great fighter Hall of Fame fighter He lost to a better fighter Him losing to Bud Crawford Doesn't take away from his legacy Just it would Had he won he We'd be talking about him the way we're talking about Bud right now But Bud proved As Jason and I had mentioned on last week's podcast This was a legacy fight This fight was going to prove Who was the best welterweight of this generation Post Floyd Well without a doubt The first undisputed Welterweight champion since Zab Judah Is the best fighter of his generation Terrence Bud Crawford Period end of story Errol Spence is not on his level Period He's the second best welterweight post Floyd. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But he's not a better fighter than Terrence Bud Crawford. He's not. Bud Crawford has now reached almost Mount Rushmore level of the 21st century. He's in the argument. I still say that my... The only guy fighting today that is on my Mount Rushmore of the 21st century is Nayoa Inoue, who is my still pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. My Mount Rushmore of the 21st century is Floyd, Manny, Andre Ward, and Nayoa Inoue. Terrence Crawford is fifth, trying to get inside the top four. He continues on this pace. The only guy he could surpass is Andre Ward. I could see him surpassing Andre Ward on my Mount Rushmore. We will see. Of the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen, 2000 to today. Not before 2000. From 2000 to 2023. I'm going to give you my top three pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world right now. Now, you ain't know he's one. Bud Crawford is two. And Alexander Usyk is three. And the uh, distance between two and three is very far. Terrence Crawford is a vastly superior fighter than Alexander Usyk. Now, those out there screaming, but Usyk beat Joshua twice. Yeah, Usyk, undisputed cruiserweight champion. He's, everybody he's fought, he's beaten. I'm pissed off that Fury refuses to fight him. That really upsets me. But when you look at the skill set, Alexander Usyk at heavyweight does not have the power that he had at cruiserweight. He's still a great boxer, still a great technician. His defense is not as great as Bud Crawford's. Naomi Noe is the best offensive fighter on the planet. His offense is so good that he doesn't have to worry about his defense. Bud Crawford today is the best overall fighter in boxing with defense and offense combined. Alexander Usyk is the best technician in the sport. Number three. 
Number four is Dimitri Baval on my five pound for my uh, top five pound for pound. And the reason he's number four is because he doesn't know how to lose. And he's got one of the greatest jabs of the 21st century. The only guy with a better jab than Dimitri Baval, in my opinion, is Nayoa Inoue. Nayoa Inoue, with his victory over Stephen Fulton, proved to the world why. I've been saying for years that he's the best fighter in the world. A machine gun of a left jab. A right cross from hell. A left hook from heaven. He has every punch down pat in his arsenal. He is the best offensive fighter I've seen since a prime Tito Trinidad. Before Trinidad got destroyed by Bernard Hopkins. Nioa Noe reminds me of... Thomas the Hitman Hearns, Hitman Chronicles, in his style. I've said he, for the longest, he reminds me of Thomas Hearns, the Japanese Hitman, with one exception. He has better stamina than Thomas Hearns. Naoya Noe in the 12th round is as fresh as he was in the first round. And Terrence Crawford the same way. Crawford and Noe have incredible stamina. They are incredible offensive fighters. And they have incredible jabs And everything's done off that jab Terrence Crawford Impressed the hell out of me Saturday night And he cemented His claim To being one of the greatest fighters Top 5 at least Of the 21st century And he's not done He's got a lot of options um, The easiest fight for him to take right now To be honest with you Is, a re- is an immediate rematch with Errol Spence He's battering Errol Spence again Spence Cannot do anything with Bud. That's the first thing. You're going to have some questions coming up about uh, his his future from the Q&A session. So I'm going to save that for that session. Right now, I'm going to play a voice note from my buddy from Philly, Rob. Who will give you a recap of what he saw in the fight. And then on the other, on the other side, I will... Do the Q&A session of the podcast. Yezo from Philly. OJ, what a performance by Terrence Bud Crawford. Destroying Earl Spence, man. Um, career-defining performance. Um, you know, I think Earl Spence is at a um, crossroads point in his career because there's no rematch um, needed for this fight. You know, four or five months, man. Um you know, you don't want to put your fighter in there, you know, after the ass whipping he just took, you, you know, and put him right back in there with the same person. Um, but layoffs has been the reason why I don't think his performance was as good as it possibly could have been. That and also probably the after effects of the car accident and, the, you know, the lingering effects of the car accident and the detached retina. Um but Spence is in a crossroads position of his career, man. Um, I definitely wouldn't put him back in there with Crawford. You, you know, it, it would be worse. Um, unless Spence would take the Hagler-Hearns mentality and try to end it early or get knocked out. And then his career, if he loses that, would be, you know, officially over. He took a beating so bad in this fight, man, that, you know, he may never be the same again. Um, you, you know, so you gotta, you gotta be very, very diligent 
and the next move you make, him and um, Derek James, you, you, you know, where they go strategically um, moving forward. Um, Crawford, um, you know, sky's the limit. Um, you know, Boots, I know everybody want to say, you know, he's out there. But I don't think Boots is ready for Crawford at this point in his career. I would not put Boots in there with Crawford right now. Boots better play the Floyd game and let Crawford age. And then maybe in a year or two, if if, if Crawford's still fighting, um, you know, possibly get the fight. Um, but great fight, man. Just, you know, I wanted to sing this little voice, voice note, you know. Um, and, you know, boxing is back. You know, I'm glad the Mayweather era is over. Fighters are fighting each other. And we're getting to see performances and who is really the best of the best. Um, in a way, and, and, and Crawford, you know, one, two, two, one, however you want to put them on the list. Great performances by both of those guys this week. I'm looking forward to seeing um, Canelo do the same thing against Charo. You know what I mean? That's that's another one that's coming up. So um, peace out from Philly, man. I just wanted to, you know, hit you off with this. Um, first time, OG, you ain't get one right in a long time. Like I said on Twitter, man, I hope, hope people listen to you, man, and don't bet, man, because honestly, man, you, you know, we, we are victims of um, – you know, not getting them all right all the time, you know, but your track record is very good. So, you you, you know, um, nothing to be ashamed of. 50-50 fight, like you said. Um, you went with Spence, you know, I could have seen that happening. And, you know, Crawford was the better man at night, you know what I'm saying, and um, had a career-defining performance. Peace out, you know what I'm saying. We'll listen to the pod as usual. Listen to your breakdown of it, man, and... um enjoy hearing you you know um many more uh fights and um results peace now on to the q a session by the way i forgot to mention that i did my pound for pound and that was a question submitted to my longtime listener faithful listener great brother sicilian brother living out in the uk luigi luigi you asked me what my Pound for pound, top pound for pound fighters are. Well, I answered that in the previous session, as you heard. But I forgot to credit you with the question asked. So there you go, Luigi. Um, and Luigi and I, top three are the same. Unoe, Bud, and Usyk. I've got Bavol four. Luigi, let me know who you, who you think your fourth greatest fighter in the world active today is. Pound for pound. Now, on... Before we begin the overall questions, I want to read some of the predi- some of the predictions I was given for the F- Spence Crawford fight that was submitted to me on hashtag Ask Rob Silver. That hashtag remains the same for all questions, any inquiries about the podcast. Ask Rob Silver, and I played the voice note from my my buddy from Philly, Rob, about his overall thoughts about the fight. Um. I'm going to read what his prediction was. He predicted that Bud would win. And I'm also going to tell the listeners out there that if you have any questions, any responses, any feedback to this podcast, you can submit voice notes to my email, robertsilver57 at hotmail.com. That's R O B 
E-R-T-S-I-L-V-A-5-7 at Hotmail.com. I'll be sure to put my email in the description of the podcast and the Twitter hashtag, AskRobSilver. And I will also put my Twitter handle so you can follow me on Twitter. I follow back. Now, let's get to the uh, to the predictions that you guys made. Let's see who was off and who was on point. Now, myself, Anthony, and Jason, the three prognosticators you heard on the Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford preview podcast, we were wrong. We all predicted Bud will, uh, Terrence will, Terrence Errol would win by decision. Uh, Jason said if anybody was going to get knocked out, Crawford would. We were all wrong, and we were all just mesmerized by the greatness of Bud Crawford. Hey, we were wrong. I'll own that. But Rob Hill, the brother from Philly that I played the uh, voice note, let me tell you what he said on his overall prediction. Get this out the way. Where you at, Rob? No, he predicted a victory by. All right, let me let me get this up. Let me get this up. Here we go. This is what Rob said. OG, this is a true pick'em fight. All y'all pick Spence, who I thought would win, but Crawford doesn't know how to lose, so I'm picking Bud Crawford. But I'm no expert to go against your opinion. I can see it going either way. Well, you were right this time. Bud won. All right, let me get other predictions here. All right. This is from my buddy Dre from Cincinnati. Cincinnati, born and raised. Dre. The side, uh, his prediction, 11th round TKO for Errol Spence. The size and jab will counteract the perceived athletic advantage Bud has. Spence has much better defense than he's given credit for, and he's simply the bigger man who knows how to be patient and break him down. Bud has to perceive, but there's no perception about the athletic advantage Bud has. He has it, all right? And he out-jabbed Errol Spence. He outworked Spence inside, which shocked the hell out of me, Dre. Um, so you was just as wrong as I was. <laughs> hey, Dre, keep supporting your your boy. But Dre knows, just like I know, that Bud is different. He's different. He's on a different level. He proved that Saturday night. Okay, here we go. Let me get another prediction that was uh, sent to me. All right, here we go. Got no LT. All right, that's that's all right. Here we go. This is my buddy, the legendary Philly barber, Toot the barber. He goes, "I'm going Bud Crawford. I think he can adjust to the pressure that Spence will put on, and the fact that he can go soft punk conventional, but the fight can go either way." Um, Toot, you were right. He Adjusted to the pressure by Spence And he Used it to his advantage As I said before the fight Terrence Crawford is a master counterpuncher Terrence Crawford is the best counterpuncher In the sport today Bar none Alright So two, you were right 
Okay. Uh, Newark boxing, uh, a boxer, LT legend, Hall of Fame on Twitter, wrote, I have Errol winning too big, too strong, great jab, very smart defensively. You took the words out of my mouth, but you and I were both wrong in our assessment. But proved to the world that he could beat an elite fighter and beat him to a pulp. <laughs> oh, here's one that got it right. My brother Cecil from Baltimore. Bud is going to win the fight because I feel like Spence is a walking target. Bingo! B-I-N-G-O. Cecil saw it from a mile away. It's the best assessment of the of the fight. The best prediction of the fight. Oh man. See if I have any more predictions. Okay. Uh good brother Noble Savage on Twitter goes. Honestly, I can't call this one. Leaning towards Crawford, but I wouldn't be super confident with that pick. Not like the Tank versus Garcia fight. I was able to pick that to the round. Yeah, I picked that to the round too. But uh Noble Savage, your your gut instinct was correct. Bud won. My New Orleans uh uh a uh, friend, buddy, Terrence, wrote, I like Spence. He's gonna work that jab and beat Crawford's body like the eighty five Bears. He's he's gotta be patient though. Crawford is dangerous. He was patient. Nothing he could do about it. You predicted the same thing I did. The same thing you said Arrow was going to do, I thought Arrow was going to do. The jab and the body work. Nah. Crawford shut that shit down like great fighters do. B-hop, Bernard Hopkins shut down Trinidad's jab. Powerful right hand and left hook with his own jab. Just like Crawford did. Floyd shut down Diego Corrales' vaunted power in both hands. With his incredible defense and counter-punching ability and God-given ability to move and make you miss. My old-time former partner of the World Championship Boxing, Logan, goes. He picked Terrence Crawford by decision. Logan, you were right on who won. Just not how you would won, but you were right. You were right. You picked the right winner. All right, so those are oh, I've got a I've got another prediction. Hold on. Hold on. My buddy Bianca, one of the best female boxing fans out there. Bianca wrote this to me. She goes, "To be honest, I have no clue how the fight will go. I I, I obviously want Crawford to win." But Spence is a great boxer. He sticks to fundamentals. Crawford is also very skillful, but he can get impatient in the ring. Spence will wait for any bit of frustration from him and use it to his advantage. Bianca, everything you said, I said, Anthony said, Jason said, uh, Dre said in his in his the note in his prediction. You, the the key word you said, impatient. Crawford could be impatient. Well, he was as patient as a surgeon Saturday night. And Bud is one of her favorite fighters. Her two favorite fighters are Bud and Boots. I don't know what's going to happen 
when those two fight, because those two are going to fight eventually, probably sooner than later. So, uh, as I get a text from my girlfriend, Grand Rising, uh, let me text her back real quick. Make it quick while I'm recording. But uh, as far as Bianca goes, the key word you said, impatient. Bud was as patient as a heart surgeon dissecting and replacing a heart Saturday night. Uh, great feedback from you guys about your predictions for the fight. Um, And some of you were right. Some of you, like me, were way off. <laughs> but I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Jason and Anthony's broadcast partner from the Shop Talk podcast, Dame. Damien, you were the only one that called it damn near to the T. Damien said Terrence Crawford was going to knock out Errol Spence in the eighth round. And he said it on his podcast, Shop Talk Podcast. He made the prediction on air. <laughs> Jay was laughing at him because Jay was like, well, Errol's never been hurt. Errol's never been knocked down. Terrence, huh? I give Dame credit. He stuck to his guns. And he said, Terrence Crawford by eighth round stoppage. Terrence Crawford stopped him in the knife. So he had the ultimate correct prediction. Shout out to Dame. And I'm going to send Dame a voice note um, telling him that uh, he was right. Another thing he got right. He One of the things him and Jay like to say, as I text my lady, good morning, beautiful angel. Good morning, beautiful angel. One of the things he, uh, him and Jay like to say on their podcast is things we got right, things we were right about. Well, Dane, you were right about this one. Okay, those were the predictions. Now let's get on to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Here we go. Okay, here we go, here we go. I got a bunch of questions, so this might take a minute. Ask Rob's hashtag Ask Rob Silver for any questions you want me to answer on the pod. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, my buddy from Canada, who, who, who's been a loyal listener and, and a loyal a supporter of Fight Game Media, continue doing that, Darren. Darren asks, what's next for the monster? Surely the best pound-for-pound pound boxer on the planet. I'm glad you asked that question, Darren, because I'm going to rip on the, the same fan base that was ridiculing, ridiculing Bud for months. The same fan base that thought Stephen Fulton was going to wipe the mat with Nio and Noe. And after a no, he batted cool boy Stephen Fulton. And look, I love Fulton. Met him last October at the Wilder fight. Him and I took a picture with my buddy from Detroit, Gritty. All right? Love Stephen Fulton. I'm a bigger fan of Inouye's. Some clown on Twitter tweeted, if you're a black American and you are rooting for Inouye to beat Fulton, your mother's a bitch. Well, 
big man, your mother's a bitch because you was way off. I, I responded right away. I said, I guess my mom's is because I'm rooting for a Noe. Then he went back and said, oh, I, I guess she is. And I retweeted back, all right, I'll, I'll let her know. And then um, he tweeted back and he he he, uh, he was like, nah, I, w- I was just joking. I was just joking. No, you weren't. You weren't fucking joking about that tweet. You said that with all your heart. The fuck's your problem? Oh, if 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 you're a black American and you were f- and you were for annoying, man, my eyes do not deceive me. Whether you're black, white, Japanese, right now in sports today, for the first time ever, the best baseball player and boxer on the planet are Japanese. You are great with taking your natural. Athletic skills that Nayo and Noe has. Every not everybody outside of being black, not everybody. Um, let me re- re- rephrase that. Just because you're not born black doesn't mean you're not born with natural athletic ability. You look at Nayo and Noe, his movements in the ring. You look at Shohei Otani, the way he pitches, the way he, that beautiful swing of his. They were both born with natural born ability. Stop the bullshit, fellas. Now, now that I got that off my chest, that fucking bullshit. Man, get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. Unfucking believable. Anyway, what's next for Noy? Oh, back to these clowns. These same clowns, like that clown ass dude that put that tweet out there. As soon as he know he dismantled, decapitated, and destroyed Fulton. They were asking it for him to move up to 135 to fight Tank. Oh, why don't he go up to what? The, what the fuck are you smoking? He's a 122-pound fighter. Tank is a huge, big 135-pound fighter. There's reasons why there are weight levels in boxing, ladies and gentlemen. They want to see. They want to see him lose so bad. They were like, go up to 135 and fight. First of all, Tank is not fighting in Noe. He's got other fighters at 135 that he could beat and make big money or have a big fight with. Um, He's got Frank Martin and Isaac Cruz. Isaac Cruz looked like a fucking bum that he is Saturday night. Get that Isaac Cruz motherfucker the fuck out of here. He's fucking trash, right? Devontae will decapitate him next time he fought. He's a one-dimensional slugger. Only reason he went 12 rounds with, with Tank is because Tank broke his hand. Period. End of story. He living off that one performance, and he's a stiff. Get the fuck out of here. An elite boxer like a Frank Martin will will, will, will put him out. He wouldn't, he wouldn't hit Shakur Stevenson with a shotgun if they fought. Are you kidding me? Tank puts him to sleep next time they fight. You you guys are asking for Noe to move to 135? Noe shut that shit down. Noe says, I'm a unified 122, and I'm going to stay here a while. He does what the fuck he wants to do because he's the best boxer on the planet, all right? He's soon to be the undisputed 122-pound champion. He's beating everybody thrown at him, all right? And then dude's coming up with the other scenarios. None of these guys have a chance. Well, what if he fought Louis Neri or Brandon Figueroa? He knocked both of those guys out in the same night. Those dudes aren't a pimple on his ass. Are you fucking kidding me? You're talking about one-dimensional brawlers. Inoue with that jab, 
and that right cross, left hook, the, the, the power behind the punches, them guys are going to sleep. Stop with the bullshit scenarios. What's next for Noe Darren? He's going to fight Marlon Topalis, put him in the hospital, and become undisputed 122-pound champion. And then whatever he decides to do from there, it's up to him. He's the man. Period. End of story. Oh man, I'm 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 on I'm I'm roasting motherfuckers today. Fuck this. All right. Next question. I've got a lot of questions, so if I miss any, I'll bring them back up next week. Here we go. Ah, damn! I got to go through all. Thanks everybody for for contributions. Man, I have some very knowledgeable boxing fans. I appreciate all you guys as always. Now back to the questions. I still have a few. Um, Jay Baby Ears asked a great question. Let me get it up here. Jay Baby Ears from Twitter. My Haitian nephew. Uh, we could be related. His his parents. He's Haitian. His parents are Haitian. Uh, my son's mother's Haitian. Hopefully she's not related to Jay. <laughs> Jay knows why. <laughs> Okay, uh, let me see. What the hell is Jay's question? Jay, 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 Jay. Here we go. Jay asks, between the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball, which Hall of Fame has the most ridiculous criteria for either letting players in or keeping players out? Well, that's a hard question to answer. Let me do, let me do letting players in. You would have to disqualify the NBA from this question because the NBA Hall is not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame, meaning that they look at your entire career playing basketball, high school, college, the NBA, overseas. It's the reason why Ralph Sampson is in, because he was a great high school and college player, one of the greatest high school players of his era and was one of the biggest names in college basketball before he was drafted by the Houston Rockets. It's the reason why Stephon Marbury belongs in. Because if Ralph Sampson's in, why is it Stephon Marbury in who had a greater pro career than Ralph Sampson? You could argue he had a greater high school career than Ralph Sampson. He had a great two-year college career at Georgia Tech and is a Chinese icon. They got a statue of him in China for leading his team to multiple championships in the Chinese league. Okay, but I'm going to take away the NBA because they are all encompassing. Major League Baseball and the NFL only look at, well, when MLB, they started inducting years ago the Negro League ball players, so they're looking at the Negro Leagues, and Major League Baseball. Well, the NFL looks at the NFL, and they might look at the AFL. I'm not I'm not sure. But if we look at the NFL and the Major League Baseball, it's much harder to get into the NFL Hall of Fame, into the pro football. It's to call the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so it's all about pro football, AFL, NFL, whatever. There are guys that belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that are not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. While Major League Baseball... You've got guys that should have been in yesterday that are not in. Pete Rose, Barry Bonds, 
Roger Clemens. Sammy, I'm really an alien Sosa. I don't know what the fuck he's done with his face, with his body. That man went from being a black, dark-skinned, black Dominican to a, I don't know, a, 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 a pink-looking pussy. What the fuck? Major League Baseball's criteria is the toughest to get into. If you get into the Hall of Fame, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, you've earned it. A, a lot of people criticize Harold Baines getting into Hall of Fame. He's the second greatest White Sox I've seen in my lifetime. I started watching box uh, baseball in 1977. Baines is the second greatest White Sox after the legendary Frank Thomas. He belonged in. Great DH. And he helped a lot of teams. Maryland legend. All right, so thank you, Jay. Let me get on. We got a lot of questions. Oh, Lord. There'll be... Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen... Since this is the first week, we won't do two episodes this week. We're just doing this episode on Hitman Chronicles next Monday or Sunday. Matter of fact, uh, we might be out Sunday, Sunday morning. I might try to make put this out Sunday morning. But the Oscar De La Hoya Life and Times podcast, reviewing his documentary on HBO and the whole nine, a whole podcast dedicated to Oscar De La Hoya. Will come out either Sunday or Monday of next week. And then next week we will begin the two weeks. Next week I will give you two historical podcasts. Right? The Oscar De La Hoya one. And one of my greatest upsets in boxing history. The very first fight between Sonny Liston and Cassius Clay. Later known as Muhammad Ali. Alright, back to the questions. This damn app keeps refreshing. Damn it with this damn app. I got a bunch of man. These guys are pissing me off. All right, hold on. Technical difficulties on the first episode. All right, here we go. Guy got a ton of questions. All right. All right, let me go further up. Let me go further, further, further up, further, further up, further up, further up, further up, further up. Okay, Al Beatty asks, oh, come on with this. Oh, man, he... Ah. Al Beatty asks, I think it's a lot more interesting for Bud at 154. Say he goes up, beats Spence a second time. Do you think Jamel will be able to go 154, 168, back down at 154? Could leave him right for picking or, or, or belts available for it. Or could leave him right for Crawford taking his belts for a chance to be undisputed in three weight classes. Uh, Al, I don't think Charlo is ever fighting 154 again. He's going up to 168 to fight Canelo. And I'll make my prediction when this time comes. We'll have a big preview podcast of of uh, Charlo versus Canelo. Fight to occur September 30th. So I'll leave my prediction for then. But win or lose, I don't think he's coming back down on 154. It would be stupid on his behalf. I think if Crawford wanted to, he could move up to 154. Don't be surprised if... The rematch between Spence 
and Crawford is for one of the belts at 154, more likely the WBC belt. And Tim Zhu fights for one of the other vacant titles, and then you have Crawford fight Zhu. I think that would be the best scenario for Crawford. I don't think Charlo's ever fighting at 154 again. I believe that Crawford and Spence, if they fight again, will be at 154. Crawford retires Spence, permanently retires Spence, and then fights Tim Zhu after Tim Zhu beats one of the other clowns for a 154-pound title. So that's my prediction right now as far as if Crawford move up to 154. Um, more, more, Much more likely, I believe, he moves up to 154. Okay. Oh, and that answers the question that uh, my brother Ace from Queens asked. He asked, where does Bud go from here? I don't see any more super fights for him at 147, to be honest. The only super fight he could have at 147, other than a rematch with Spencer, we know what the outcome of that fight's going to be, would be against Boots Ennis. I don't know if that fight's going to happen right now. Because I think... Crawford has done whatever he's had to do at 147. He doesn't have to fight Boots. I mean, if he wants to, I, I can't wait if it does happen. But there's more money for him to fight Spence in a rematch and take it to 154 for one of the titles Charlo will vacate because I don't think Charlo's coming back to 154. So that's my answer on that, big man. All right. Uh, wish I had met Tupac, a frequent contributor to my Legends of Sports and Music tribute podcast. Should Errol take his rematch that he's owed for the nice paycheck? If I was Errol Spence Camp, I'd say no to a rematch. I'd retire him. I, he's made a lot of money. Errol Spence made a lot of money, and he's overcome a lot of adversity the last four years. The car accident in September, October of uh, 2019. The eye injury in the summer of 2021. And then this one-sided beating he took at the hands of Terrence Crawford. And a second car accident I forgot to mention. Um, was it late last year? Late last year. So, uh, Errol should retire. He's made a ton of money. He's made. He's got all his faculties. Retire. There's no need for him to fight a... Washed up Keith Thurman. I don't want to see that shit. There's no reason for him to fight and take another beating from Bud Crawford. If he goes up to 154 and fights Tim Zhu, I don't know. I don't know. He might be right for Tim Zhu. I don't know. But uh, I think he should retire. Another question, Um, the great... The... Uh, Wish I had met Tupac ask. What weight was Floyd at his absolute best? Easy. Floyd Mayweather was the greatest 130-pound junior lightweight, super featherweight fighter that ever lived, period. End of story. No one comes close. Alexis Arquello is a distant second. Floyd Mayweather at 130 was as close to unbeatable fighter that ever lived. Perfect combination of defense, speed, combination punching. That right cross counter was beautiful. Check out his performances versus Angel Manfredi. 
Gennaro Hernandez, and Diego Corrales. Nobody in the history of the 130-pound division could have beaten them that night. Period. End of story. Not Azuma Nelson. Not Alexis Arguello. Not Julio Cesar Chavez. Nobody that ever fought at 130 could have beaten Floyd Mayweather. All right. And I believe that could be the last question. Okay. Toot the Barber with one final question for the pod today. Who you like if Bud Crawford and Charlo fought at 154? If Crawford moved up to 154. I kind of answered that question earlier. I don't think that fight's ever going to happen. Because I kind of agree with Al. If Charlo came down on 154 after going up to 168, the same fate will happen to him that happened to Roy Jones when he beat John Ruiz and came back to 175 and was never the same and looked listless in his fights against Antonio Tava and Glenn Johnson. He also... uh. Another example, Antonio Tarver, when he gained a lot of weight to play Mason Dixon in the Rocky movie, in the Rocky Balboa movie, they came back down and Bernard Hopkins batted him and he was never the same. Another guy Bernard beat up and was never the same. Bernard beat up three dudes that was never the same and retired a fourth one. Bernard knocked out Joe Lipsy, he never fought again, undefeated big time prospect in 1996. He beat Lipsy so bad, Lipsy never fought again. Tito Trinidad was a shell of his former self after B-Hop beat the hell out of him. Kelly Pavlik was a shell of himself after Bernard beat the hell out of him. And, of course, Antonio Tarver was a shell of himself after B-Hop beat the hell out of him. <laughs> uh, one day we're going to do an episode of Fighters Who Were Never the Same After Taking a, 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 a One-Sided Beating. And I fear the same thing has happened. To Errol Spence Ladies and gentlemen I want to thank you guys For uh, tuning in to this inaugural episode Of the boxing side Of the Hitman Chronicles We will be back next Sunday Or Monday with the life and times Of Oscar De La Hoya If you have any questions About Oscar De La Hoya If you want to send in a voicemail About Oscar De La Hoya For next week's podcast Hashtag Ask Rob Silver for Twitter questions and Robert Silver 57 at hotmail.com for voice notes about Oscar and his career. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week when we talk, the golden boy, Oscar De La Hoya, I want everybody out there to continue to be blessed and be a blessing.